2: And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's
1: Person of the Day.
2: Prime afternoon to add to that total, and there it is. Left field, long gone. Another home run. The Brewers have two this inning and grab an early 3-0 lead against Jose
1: Quintana.
3: Craig and
1: he's done it again. Look at that one fly home
2: run and it's many at bats and Ryan Braun gives Milwaukee a 5 nothing advantage
4: you hear a boo in the background there of uh, Jose Quintana there yeah. it is Manny and I both said the same thing man uh, Evan Quintana, but uh, roll, man. they were saying it for a different reason in <laughs> Wrigley Field today. Uh, Quintana got ripped up. He's been pretty. He's had a couple of good games, but he's been pretty rotten. What was interesting is uh, Ryan Braun before today was three for twenty-one against him. Uh, yeah. hadn't hadn't hit him at all, but he just he laid two of them right in the middle of the plate, and Braun killed both of them. Uh, not what he was, obviously, image-wise or anything else. Uh, 2011, he was uh, 33 home runs, 111 RBIs, beat out Matt Kemp for the MVP. 2011, right? That was his MVP. Year. Yes. Next year, he went 41 and won 12, and then we found out he was on steroids. Now, he he beat the steroid thing once, Right because he got the, the 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 vial had been left and uh yeah did we blame the mailman we blamed the, we mailman? Blame the mailman was like the handler was, or was, but then they didn't they, handle it properly they him yeah, got the him uh, they got him again and uh, turned out he was uh he was a steroid cheater and it it in night in 2013 he served the suspension and only played in 61 games and, uh, you know what, he had a whole lot to do with the, uh, to me, the suspension going from 50 games to 80, don't you think? That uh player that important got the suspension yeah. uh, raised from uh, 50 games to 80. And... Because uh, well, it was him
0: and wasn't it Melky when, when Melky was still kind of an all-star? Weren't they around Milky, the same
4: time? Yeah, and Melky got the play in the po Wasn't Melky playing in the postseason? No, remember,
0: he, and, he could have, but the Giants yeah, elected not to not put to him on play the playoff it, yeah, roster. Right. Yep
4: uh anyway he uh the fact that he's still with the braves is amazing uh this year he's got 14 home runs and uh 46 rbis hitting about 255 obviously not what he was how old is he now uh he, be, he's in in early 30s. 30s man he's uh first game is 24 years old when he played his first game 1983. So uh, he's, uh, he's 35. About, uh, yeah. 30, he'll be 35 in November. And I the looking up, the, both the baseball almanac page and his wiki page said his nickname is the Hebrew Hammer. <laughs> Did you ever hear that? No. I have never, never heard had. that. Who came up with the Hebrew I Hammer? I like it, though. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a little ethnic, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's a. Uh, what, are we supposed to be alarmed that there's a Jew playing in uh, Major League Baseball? Uh, you it's ever hear of Sandy Koufax? The Hebrew Hammer. Sean or, Green was or the other one, Or the other right? nickname they suggest is Ocho, because he wears number eight. No! no. I haven't heard that either. Nope. I, if you got a nickname, I have to have heard of it. I, yes, exactly. Else it's not your nickname. A lot of fans he have comes. given him nicknames. Do you think Bob Euk- Euker has ever said, here comes the Hebrew Hammer? Actually...
0: Maybe probably. I probably could believe you yeah, dropping that probably one probably in. He could have done that. Uh, he had a little audio, by the way, after the game today.
3: My heart and I would bet my life that this substance never entered my body at any point.
4: Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. okay. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah. But now that I've been accused, I might as well start using it. Uh, so got caught. Okay. <laughs> it is amazing why they don't say no comment. He got the big contract though based on his steroid performances, because you know what he's making this year? 20. The last three years of this long-term deal, he's making 20, 20, and 20. There
0: was a rumor that... And this was, I think, before the Dodgers became the perennial power in the national league that they wanted him, but they mm-hmm. didn't they didn't want to take on all the money, and Milwaukee wasn't willing to trade him and eat some of the salary. I remember that well, rumor I, a couple I will of years say ago. say
4: this I'd rather watch Ryan Brown and the Brewers take b p than the twins What that is, so what is has going a special on special broadcast uh for an hour before the game of the twins taking b p why <laughs> i think to create excitement okay and except i looked up and, and i love this guy okay i I think he's great but bobby wilson was taking bp oh we gotta get I'm that not gonna, i'm not gonna sit here <laughs> fixated on bobby wilson taking that
0: could you imagine the dad that's at home right now with the kid and he says mm-hmm. you know what billy we were gonna stay home tonight but damn it get in the car i just watched bobby take some bp
4: i remember going out, my early years traveling with the twins uh And the Red Sox took BP in a very strange way. They would, a guy'd hit for five minutes. They didn't pop, jump in, and jump out of the cage. You know, Jim Rice would take five minutes of BP. Freddie Lynn would take five minutes of BP. That's when they had the lineup when Butch Hobson was hitting ninth. This was later and drove in 100 runs. Uh, You know, that was a pretty good lineup, the one that choked. Right. And uh, they'd take BP. And then our, and, Lynn in five minutes had hit twelve home runs, and Rice in five minutes had hit fourteen home runs because he'd hit them over the wall, and and they'd probably hit. That lineup, they probably hit 110 home runs in PP. The Twins had hit three. I remember going, and watching them <laughs> saying, you know, Bobby Darwin might hit. This was after Bobby Darwin. Bobby wasn't there anymore. So they had nobody who could hit a home run. And <laughs> they did like, the rest I "Boom, boom." You'd say, gee, I wonder who's going to win. race." Right. <laughs> you know, although 77, I was in there with the Twins and they got 35 hits in a doubleheader and beat them twice. Really, twenty four hits in the opener. Then they got eleven more. You they said th- thirty
0: five in a 35 doubleheader. Thirty five hits in a doubleheader. Wow, um, Jeez. You, could,
4: you could check it. But I got thirty five hits in a doubleheader. They peppered that wall because they had crew Heisel at Bostock. Oh,
0: sure, you know? okay.
4: And Bostock hit it that way. Rodney hit it that way, and then Heisel pulled it. Remember
0: what? What year was it? Just a short time ago, where the twins got just vilified for attempting to charge extra. Remember that story? Oh, BP, for, for batting practice. And, yeah, 15 when, bucks. Because that was it. about five years ago, yeah, right? Something like that.
4: Bucks. Now you can watch it for free on FSN. You <laughs> lucky dogs.
0: I did see that uh, they did post a stat that Logan Forsyth is apparently hitting like 405. Oh, oh yeah. boy. Let's get <laughs> to and, some more. And, and
4: has got uh, bad EKG. Uh, once again, proving the genius of the uh, new investor. That's right. We'll be back. of a murderer's row of ball
1: talk.
4: Here's legendary pitcher and broadcaster Jim Cott
0: on the ride with Royce.
4: Jim, that's a little distressing news about Brian Dozier that uh, he's going to have to have a little more of a heart checkup after a bad EKG after his uh, dizziness last night.
2: Yeah, that is. That's sad. It uh, kind of puts the game of baseball in. Perspective. One of the Indians outfielders, I think. Oh is, yeah, uh,
4: Leonis Martin. Uh, had, they said he had a bacterial infection that almost killed him.
2: Yeah. Well, I had a friend here in Vermont that had that a, a bacteria got into his heart, and uh, boy, he was he was touch and go for a long time. He's okay now, but uh, yeah, that that kind of puts uh, much as we you know. <laughs> jaw back and forth about the game because we love the game, but it does put it in perspective.
4: That was, uh, I've been rooting for the Nats, you know. I'd love to see Washington go to the uh, World Series for the first time since 1933. Now, they did not have a a team there for a lot of years, but uh, that one in the Wrigley Field the other night took care of them, I think.
2: Wow. Well, I just sent out a tweet. You know, I said, baseball... Is the only business probably that pays its warm-up act more than the main attraction, which are late-game heroics. Yes. They pay big money—twenty-five million, thirty million—to the starters just to kind of warm up the audience, and then all the action happens when they're gone. Yeah. And uh, I guess my feelings toward the Nationals—I understand your sentiment, but I kind of lost my uh, my love for them when they. Uh, when they took Strasburg out of the rotation, they had a legitimate chance to go and it's like, well, we'll get back again. And I, I know enough about that from when we got there (laughs) in 65 and I, we had a good team. I said, "Well, we'll get back. And then 17 years later, I finally did get back in my last year, but, uh, they're a mystery. Those nationals, when you look at the individual players and, and I know they've had some bullpen issues, but, uh, they just don't seem to be getting it done. I mean, who'd have thought this time of the year we'd be talking about Atlanta and Oakland maybe printing uh, World Series tickets? <laughs> Boy, that Oakland, that,
4: that Atlanta's got some athletes.
2: Oof. They do, and I and I've been trying to follow the Oakland A's a bit too. Oh, and uh, they're they're on they're kind of playing with house money. Nobody expects them, but they need to do anything. But they really have some good young talent, and then this uh, Blake Trinan comes in. Man, he has been some closer. uh, I watched him finish off a couple games lately, so you know, they might be there to stay. Of course, September's a whole different month when uh, when you start to sense what's at the finish line, then you know, not every team gets comfortable.
4: Man, he was just pointing out to us how much that Oakland team strikes out, though. Man, talk about a hit! Hit the ball out of the park or uh, or uh, strike out. Uh, that is a uh, unbelievable lineup. The way they're striking out.
2: Well, they fit the mold, don't they? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the modern game: uh, strike out, walk, home run, and all the analytics geniuses say it's easier to score. You know, a run with one swing instead of sticking around trying to put three together. I'm glad that uh, Tito Francona doesn't feel that way. He's got some guys can put it in play, like Brantley, Ramirez, and Lindor, and he still and they steal bases and they run the bases well. So they still play a little more what we would call traditional baseball than just whale and bail and hope you hit a couple out. Hey Jim, uh, I know
4: there wasn't a pitch limit when you pitched. I know Scherzer was, I guess, one fifteen or something, and they took him out after pitching great. What? Uh, It was. Was there any? Did anybody even know how many pitches had been thrown Uh, when? If you would have went pitched eight innings like that, would have anybody? And you pitched hundred throwing hundred thirty innings. Would anybody even know it?
2: We never found out till the day after, mm-hmm. you know. And I, in fact, I have the box score of the game two of the World Series. I never, I never knew it was a complete game. I threw one hundred and eight. Uh, I've thrown anywhere I think from seventy-five to one hundred and fifty in a nine-inning game, and then there were several extra-inning games uh, which ended up being complete games. But the next day's starting pitcher kept this chart mm-hmm. of uh, the different pitches and where the hitter hit the ball. And then the next day, you would find out, okay, you threw uh, 112 pitches, and so many of them were fastballs, so many of them were strikes. So you reviewed it, but nobody kept track um, it, You know, during the game. Now, Timmy McCarver said, and I was talking to Bob Gibson about this also, that they had a pitching coach named Howie Paulette back in the yeah, 60s. Yeah, I remember and, him. I remember getting his baseball they, card. <laughs> yeah, a left-hand pitcher. And, yeah. and Gibby was saying they did count pitches. He was up to 180 wide Something. Well, but I used to go in and ask. Remember, uh,
4: I used to go in and ask Herbie Carneal, uh, you know, because Herbie kept the, he always uh, kept pitches, and I'd go in. But yeah. I, as a reporter, I never kept my own. But I'd go Herbie, how many got pitches is that guy throwing just out of yeah. just out of curiosity? Well, you know, the, the,
2: the pitch count thing. And when I coached, what I would pay attention to, and I told Pete Rose, you know, if a guy had if he labored in some early innings, mm-hmm. like the late Del Wilber, I don't know if yeah. you remember that name. He was my sure. AAA manager, and he said, I'll let you work out of two jams. Oh, really? But when you get in that third one, he said, then I'm not too comfortable, so I might <laughs> make a move. It. But, but it wasn't counting pitches. It was, you know, how stressful were the early innings? Did you labor through the early innings, bases loaded, two on? Now, all of a sudden, when you get to the fifth inning, he probably already pitched the equivalent of eight. So you pay attention to that. But if a guy is cruising along like Scherzer and Matt Bum and Kershaw, they're cruising along. And in Kershaw's case last night, I mean, they don't have Kenley Jansen anymore. So I had said, boy, if if I'm the pitching coach, I stop counting pitches after the seventh (laughs) inning. And then when they say how many he's got, I say 85. He's got plenty left.
4: Uh, What uh, did... Let's say you threw 132, 33. Would you, would you sometimes skip the throw in between starts, or uh, you know, I mean, no, did I you think, feel the I difference?
2: What, what we did when you had a short start, and unfortunately I had several of those, is we would pitch batting practice between starts. <laughs> you know, you'd go three innings or something, or Sam would say. Now look, they got a couple lefties there, so instead of doing your throwing between starts, why don't you go down to the bullpen in case I need you, and then if you don't, come in. And there were even cases. I remember in '67, I got off to a horrible start, and uh, then Sam was let go, and Cal Ermer came in, and I, we had a game against the White Sox, we were getting blown out, and I had told uh, Cal, I said, look, if uh," I'm pretty sure Cal was still manager, was the manager then not Sam? I said. If it's a blowout game, I'd love to pitch a couple innings near the end of the game and and see if I can't get straightened out. Huh. I think I was one and eight, and I went in and I gave up like two home runs to Tommy McCraw, home run to Gary Peters. I gave up a ton of runs, mm-hmm. but I kind of found something, and then I ended the season sixteen and thirteen. Yeah. So those well, kind of you, you know going in in those situations can be helpful, but. We never thought of uh, of counting pitches or restricting a pitcher because of pitches.
4: Well, my favorite baseball moment of uh, recent years is Baumgartner pitching those five innings of relief uh, when he came in against Kansas City, and Boshy never looked at him, and he never looked at Baumgartner. No. Boshi wasn't well, going to go over and well, say, yeah, Boshi wasn't going to go over and say, You okay? He was waiting for Baumgartner, and they, they, they just finished
2: the game. It's kind of like Jack in Game 7 in yeah. 91. And uh, I think Randy Johnson did it, too, the year the, yeah. Uh, yeah. the Diamondbacks won. But, yeah, I mean, Matt Bum, he, he's a throwback. He's a big old strong country boy. And, and I, I know they took him out the other – they keep using that, well, we're going to protect our pitcher. Well, there's no scientific evidence that limiting pitches has saved a pitcher's arm. You just never know when – that injury or an injury is going to come. The best you can do is learn to throw, you know, not overthrow. And I think like the Red Sox now with Sale, they're doing a smart thing because he strikes out so many guys, yep. and, uh, and he's a max effort every pitch. So now the other night, 12 strikeouts, five innings, they got a big lead. They're, they're going to give him a lot of extra days so he isn't worn out like he was last year when they went to the, uh, to the postseason.
4: Jim Cotts with it. And I was just going to say that I, I suspected when they put him on the DL for 10 days, it was just to freshen him up. And it appears that was that's the case. A,
2: that's a 10 day vacation. <laughs> yeah, I don't, he sure didn't pitch the other night like he had any traces of shoulder inflammation. I mean, they couldn't hit him. It was just 50 games out, over, Jim. Strikeouts. You're
4: up there in New England. What do they think of this team?
2: 50 games over. Well, uh, ironically, uh, I mean, it's the fact that you mentioned that, some of my buddies uh, at the golf club today in, in New England, they're just about all Red Sox fans. There is a smattering of Yankee fans. But uh, my friend Eddie Shotwell, he's been following <laughs> the Red Sox for like 80 years since he was a young boy. And he said, this is the best team they've ever had. And and I think he's right. I would say the only, when I watched him, the only area where, I don't know if, if uh, Cora is, Alex Cora is completely comfortable, is that eighth inning. Now, there's Thornburgs coming on, but they mm-hmm. still have a tendency to walk a few guys, and, and uh, they haven't been, you know, ironclad perfect in the late innings of games, and you sort of assume that in the postseason those are going to be close games, but that's really the only area that. Uh, that they don't excel at every position. Actually, when you look at the overall numbers, their bullpen's been very good, uh, better than good. But then when you get into postseason, how they're, how good are they against the best-hitting teams in the eighth inning of a close game? That's what we have to see.
4: Hey, Jim, uh, playing golf today, did you hit any of those 248-yard four-irons straight as a string up there to the par three? Did you hit any of those?
2: No, I... I I hit a driver and a 5-iron, and then I was at 248 yards. <laughs> <Yeah, well>, that's the <laughs> damnedest shot I ever
4: saw that Kepka hit uh, to uh, oh, tell Tiger he was, that he wasn't well, going to win like this. It or...
2: so much. I was so much. I was happy that my uh, friend Warren Botkey got quite a shout-out. I called uh, uh, Warren what? yesterday because... I didn't realize that he taught Brooks Kepka. You know, he's been teaching down there at Abacoa for like 17 years, but Kepka was very outspoken about, hey, I learned the game from a PGA pro, Warren Bocci. And, uh, and, and so I was I was happy to see Warren get that credit. The uh, Kepka's pretty special because he doesn't roll his eyes or whine or wonder if the ball took a bad hop. He just plays a shot, goes on to the next one, and. Man, he is he is tough and talented. What did I tell you guys a couple of weeks ago? Jim Cott has never been stumped. I brought up Brooks Kepka and he knows the pro. Well, and actually, actually, <laughs> Brooks Brooks' brother Chase, who was there to yeah. give him a hug, Warren said that he was actually <laughs> a better player as a junior, and Chase is now playing, I think, uh, some mini tour. Events. So, and his dad has uh, been a low-handicap golfer for years, so even though Brooks, I think, liked baseball better than golf uh, and still is a big baseball fan, but uh, the whole family is talented golfers. You are the
4: greatest, sir, and we'll do this again maybe a couple of times before September oh, 7th. Oh, yeah, I'm,
2: I'm sorry it's going to come to an end, but I'd love to do it as often as you want. You Just give me a call.
4: All right, Jim, thank you. Uh, all right, Patrick. All right.
2: Here. The great Jim Koch. He
4: knows Warren Bupka. <laughs> Unbelievable. I throw out a smart-ass line about him hitting a 248-yard four-iron, and he knows the guy that taught the guy how to hit it. You ton. can't
0: tell me you're shocked in any way. <laughs> no,
4: I'm not, <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I'm allowed to be impressed. We'll be back. Johnny Height with a rapid fire sports update. Thank Johnny, I got that. a little. Uh, yeah, I got oh, one thing I wanted to mention here. huh. the uh, the new uh, woman who's the weather person for Ren Ren Claire Ren and the first coach. Of the Minnesota North Stars and general manager was Ren Blair. Yeah, and oh. they're the only two Wrens I've ever met in my life. So I never got drunk with Ren Clare, However, <laughs> right. I did get knee walking with Ren Blair. Knee walking, knee walking. <laughs> Here is. Yeah. I'll tell you that story. The night Augie and I were in in Ren Blair's office at five a.m.
0: Oh my Gracie, where the bleep is
1: Webster? and <laughs> <Talking to> hockey. <laughs> And other <laughs> drunken issues. Uh, here's uh, Johnny. Just, uh, before we get to my uh, short sports <laughs> well, You better I, get to it. <laughs> Reavers played that song because Mr. Olsen yeah. over there was screaming it in the hallway, yeah. singing it. It was <laughs> driving me nuts. <laughs> Evidently, they're appearing in Lake Minnetonka tonight. What? Somewhere. Yeah, that's what, Julie, that's what Julie said. Yeah. Julie Let, started open it Open to the public? No, I don't think so. Probably no. a private deal. Huh? Private party. Uh, twi- a very good Southern band at the zoo. In fact, Mr. Reavers now be a blackberry smoke. You guys smoked, are
4: heading so. out there. Yeah. Uh, get an autograph for me. Will you? John, well. give me 10 seconds
1: of news. Uh, okay. Twins are playing tonight. Yes. Jay, Jay Cotorizzi at Target Field for the Twins and Jameson Tyon for the Pirates.
4: I'm betting uh Jake allows one home run, at least.
1: And goes, sure. and goes yeah. five and a third?
4: Yeah, he will. Yeah. If yeah. he goes six, we're going to have a parade. <laughs>
1: Adrian Heath's show tonight at 6 o'clock. That's only 25 really? here, minutes. Away. Right here. Right here. Wow, mm-hmm. No, okay. Right after good. the ride on 1500. Is he in a good mood or a bad mood? Yes, yeah. I wonder. He uh, should they, we'll find out. They had a tie last night, right? Did they? Uh, I, I don't a remember. A draw. Excuse me. I a call dr- it a tie. A dr- a I draw. Slap my
0: finger. <laughs> a draw. I wish I knew what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Well, Kenny's barking orders okay. over here. I know
4: I'm
2: watching hey, both John. you guys. Yeah, John,
4: that was really good.
2: That okay. was wow. fantastic. We'll do it again I'm going to
1: save Thank that, that one about. for my <laughs> tape. Okay. <That> was, uh, <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. Uh, you can always go back to Mandan. <laughs> Probably not after that. Bob Harry, uh, ESPN golf columnist, is with us uh, two days after Bell Reeve ended in an amazing fashion. Uh, Tiger is more popular right now than when he was winning every other major. <laughs> it's unbelievable.
3: I think it's because there's a whole, a whole new generation of people that, um, you know, getting a chance to see it for the first time. You know, there's a lot of people that uh, uh, never had a chance to watch or follow, or obviously the last five years has been pretty bleak, and uh, now for the first time they're getting to uh see it themselves you know and uh and i think to them it's pretty exciting obviously uh when he when he when he performs as he has here recently
4: uh, certainly from a noise level uh it seemed like a young vibe at st louis you had a lot of 25 and unders out there running around huh? watching golf yeah
3: yeah it was a big um they i don't know what it was uh, they let in a lot of people or you know if they just had more room it just seemed uh, bigger, You know, it, it was a lot like the team for the Ryder Cup, actually, up there. You know, just uh, a, a, a really enthusiastic group. And, um, you know, it, it's the, the market that hasn't had golf either, which helps. Uh, you know, they, they don't have a regular tour stop in St. Louis. Um, they don't even have a Champions Tour event. Uh, and uh, it's been a long time since they've had a major over 25 years. They did have a tour event 10 years ago, the BMW. Uh, so I think you know you add all those things in, and it makes for a uh, you know quite the quite the week of spectating.
4: Uh, you know uh, we won't see it again for a while, but it looks like if it if it uh, if it's not soaked and uh, allows them to shoot it right at the pin, that it's it's a very, fairly worthy golf course. If, if 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 the greens aren't as easy as they were.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the, 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 the weather conditions, the, the rain, is, is unfortunate. And um, that, you know, that, that took some of the fire out of the course. I think they would always much rather have it be dry and fast. Uh, but it made for some really long rough, and it made for some long holes. Um, you know, we saw, like, what would happen with Tiger when he missed a fairway. He was having a long way in and having a hard time getting it there, and even on some of the other holes where he felt like he had to lay back, you know, he's having 200 yard approach shots to par fours. Uh, you know, sometimes longer. I mean, that's you and me. We that's a after par fours, not those guys. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, but because you know sometimes he felt like he had to hit an iron off the tee, the ball's not going anywhere, and a 490 yard par. Par four, even if you hit it out there, you know, 290, you've still got 200 left. So um, uh, that's, that's where, you know, where some difficulty came in. Uh, although being able to fire at flags like they were really does make make the whole thing a little bit easier.
4: Hey Bob, uh, it, it's funny. Uh, I mean, he hit. He's hitting some miraculous shots with confidence. He's got fantastic confidence, and then he puts that driver in his hand, and it's twenty eighty against him. It's unbelievable uh, where he puts himself yeah, with the he, driver. Now, when he, yeah. you know, I was saying yesterday, I'm talking to Mark Wicker yesterday, and okay, this was the old Tiger, except the old Tiger didn't have to hit this many shots out of the trees uh, to to uh, keep it going.
3: Well, you know he's never he's never been great at driving accuracy except maybe going back to like 2000 2001 yeah. when his, his percentage was was bigger you know he, he hit more fairways then uh, but it was never off the charts it was never like 65 70 percent it was always in the in the high 50s low 60s maybe barely it's half. Yeah. and and what what makes it worse is he is he's hitting he's missing them with irons. You know, he missed he missed four fairways with irons on wow. Sunday including that one on 14. That was a killer. The one on 14, you know, he just birdied 13, he was right there and then he drives it in the rough with an iron and that was the hole where he had the long par putt that lived out. But I mean, he should have never been in a position to have a long par putt. He, because he was in the rough off the tee with an iron, he had no chance to get to the green. Now he's got to play like a 60, 70, 80-yard approach shot for his third, uh, which he actually has been great at getting those up and down, but it's just not a way to make a living. You're putting too much pressure on yourself. Uh, so in addition to the driver being uh, not great, it, it's sort of you know disturbing that he, that he has these moments where he misses fairways with iron. Happened to him at the open, the 11th yeah, hole right. on Sunday after he took the lead. That was an iron off the tee. Same with 12, and I, so and he, that's the holy bogey. So you know, it, it, he's got to get the driver straightened out, but he's just got to get his driving in general off the tee straightened out.
4: I used to say the harder the golf course, the uh, more dominant he was, and that's no no longer true. I think he likes the easier golf courses now, where it's in, you know that the, there's not the premium on accuracy. Uh, Carnoustie was, yeah. you know, he didn't have to hit many drivers at Carnoustie. And uh, and this golf course, because of the softness, was not as hard as it could have been.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I I sort of disagree with you. I I was surprised that he dared as well in the tournament where he had to make a lot of birdies. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still think he's far better off a tournament. You know, Carnoustie still, the winning score was 8-under yeah. and Tiger was 5-under. You know, I mean, this one uh, 16 under wins, and he's 14 under. Um, that's you know, he made eight birdies on Sunday. That's a lot. I mean, yeah. that's, unbelievable. Uh, you know, even even with an easier course, I'm not cons- I'm not convinced he can always do that uh, because you you know there, there's when the course is easier, that lets more people in. Uh, guys who aren't as good, uh, you know, have a chance to. It becomes more of a putting contest, which he's not going to win these days. So, um, uh, but it, I thought it was a good sign that he, that, he could, that he could make a lot of birdies. I mean, he's going to have some courses coming up where that's going to be the case. I mean, uh, uh, the tournament in Boston is one where they typically go low. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, and if anything, he's been a little bit too afraid to, to, to be aggressive. And maybe now he, uh, he realizes that it's something that isn't going to hurt him so much if he is.
4: Bob Herrick's with us, the ESPN uh, golf uh, uh commentator and uh columnist. Hey, Bob, uh, Kepka, when the Ryder cup was here and he was part of the greatest golf team ever assembled in my opinion. Uh, but you would say, and they got this guy and this guy and this guy, and they got, and they got that Kepka guy too. And he's not too bad, but, uh, he was, you know, he had a hard time cracking the lineup in the, uh, in the doubles portion of it and the team portion of it. And, uh, Boy, two years later, he's as good as anybody.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, Kepka hadn't done much in, in 2016. He had, a, he had a single win at that point on the PGA Tour and one on the European Tour. And now look at him, you know, three majors later. The um, guy's got a lot of firepower, and uh, I think he's going to be a huge step for them over there because, uh, you know, he, he showed a lot of nerve the other day. He, he, uh... Um, you know that was that was pressure to the extreme, and I can't imagine that 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 Ryder Cup pressure w- would be any worse. If he can hold up to to what he did on Sunday, uh, I think the Ryder Cup will be you, he ought to thrive in that. And uh, so uh, you know, good for him. I mean, they and they need they need that, frankly. You know, uh as great as that 2016 team was, and a lot of those guys are going to be back. Um, I don't know that it means that much. You know, they are not necessarily going to be, uh, you know, Spieth is a little off right now. is uh, not expected to, well, he may or may not get on that team. Uh, you know, Bubba is, a, is sort of up and down. You never know what you're going to get from him. So I think it's fascinating, again, even even with um, a lot of strong players in the U.S. side.
4: I've been telling all my golfing friends that they got to start working on hitting that 248-yard four-iron straight as a string, and their games will be a whole lot better.
3: Wouldn't that be nice? That was, uh, I think that was, what, the 16th hole, yes. and, and at that point Tiger had closed to within one, and, you know, he just ripped that thing up off the screen like it was nothing. You know, I mean, uh, that's not supposed to be that easy. You know, and he did it, and and, and made the birdie, uh, and and actually, you know, gave himself the breathing room there. Uh, uh, you know, he added another birdie. He, he added one on 17, I believe. But but in any case, he he um, you know he just he just to be impervious to all what was going on around him.
4: Hey, you mentioned Spieth. What's what? Uh, what the, I know he's not making putts like he used to, but he's. I know I, he's never been the greatest driver for distance or accuracy, but man, he's he's just not hitting it good.
3: Yeah, he's not, and he, and I think another thing that's going on is when he was at his best and, and has been at his best. Even you know he he's missed putts throughout, but he's not making the the ones that. That aren't automatic, but seemed automatic for him. Yeah, um, you know, from 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 ten to fifteen feet, I believe the percentage is like the guys only make like 30, 35 percent of those, uh, and but he seems to make more like sixty percent of them. And so whenever you looked up and you saw rolling one in from fifteen or eighteen feet, you thought, man, he just never misses those. Well, he he does, but he just made more than everybody else, and those are huge difference makers in a round. I mean. You're not going to always knock it inside the seat. Uh, but man, when you can make that many 15 footers, it really helps. And I don't think he's making those. He misses a, he misses a uh, a fair number of short putts, probably more than than other players, but kind of along the lines of what he did. And then he, had, you know, if he gets out of position on the course, which we seem to see more and more, then all of a sudden it leads to um, kind of these, you know, these these mediocre rounds. I mean, the final round at Carnoustie. He was tied to the lead. He didn't make a birdie.
2: Yeah.
3: You know, now look, he played really well to get in that position, and he played well at the Masters this year, uh, but he hasn't really contended other than that, you know, so he's clearly working through some issues. And, um, you know, so that's that's going, there's a little bit of a question mark there. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how he does now in these next couple of uh, playoff events.
2: Hey bob
4: uh, who's uh, of the great ones of the 7 or 8 and uh you know the the greatest players that are out there right now who's the best putter now it comes and goes obviously putting's a come and go thing but who's who's the best putter out there now
3: you know what it's hard to not think of Kepka. yeah how many how many 4 and 5 footers did he make for par
1: yeah
3: you know i mean he just or you know he he sometimes you have a long um, birdie putt, 50, 60 feet, and you roll it up there to five feet, there's no way that's guaranteed he makes it. Or he missed a green and he hits a chip up there to five or six feet, and he makes it. If anything, you know, his, the, the one part of his game that, that he's really been working to, to improve is the chipping. And, uh, you know, he's, he doesn't knock them up there all the time. to automatic range. You know, it's the two-footers. Leaves himself some par putts. Man, he seems to make them all. He made them all at Shinnecock, too. So, uh, you know, it's hard to not look at him. Those are the pressure putts. The stats might not say that he's the best putter, but anecdotally, you look at that and you go, man, it's it's hard. I'd want that guy putting for me, I think, uh, with a the, with the crucial knee knocker on the line. As an observer from a distance, and seeing
4: uh, what happened at Bell Reeve with the kind of the desperation, this is the last major. I think it's a big mistake that the PGA Championship is moving from August to May. I to be now it's the now it's sort of the preliminary to the Masters instead of man. I know it's always been the fourth major, but I don't think it's it it's been that way. For a long time, because they've had so many great tournaments, I, I don't I think they're making a mistake. There's nothing they can do about it, but I I'm I don't like. Well,
3: it. you know here, here's how here's here's one way to look at. it. I mean certainly, you know it's one of the four, and, and anybody who says well it's the fourth out of the four, I mean I can assure you that that Jack Nicholas appreciates his five PAs just <laughs> as much as he does all the 13 other major wins. Uh, he doesn't rank them that way. Uh, but um, the one thing that I think that's been bad for the PGA is it comes so close after the Open. Yeah, I mean, you had guys that were taking Monday off, that hadn't seen the golf course, that were playing nine-hole practice rounds and barely prepared for it. I mean, it, it was it was out of necessity. They just you know they have they had a big tournament the week before. That was just two weeks after the Open. At some point, you've got to. You know, I just think it does determine a disservice. If we move it to May, it'll be five weeks after the Masters. Guys will have plenty of time to kind of uh, cool down and then warm back up for it. I would guess most players will have a chance to then go look at the venue in advance. Next year it's at Bethpage. I I just think it makes the spacing a little bit better. And uh, if you think of the Players' Championship three weeks before the Masters, as another big one, and then playoffs in in August next year. You know, you have kind of of a a defined six months for the casual fan to kind of get interested in golf. You've got the, the players in March, and then you've got the Masters, the PGA, the U.S. Open, the Open, and then the playoffs. I realize golf won't end. It'll still start back up in September. We'll have all fall and all spring. But at least it gives us a defined season that isn't so rushed uh, you know, from one major to the other, um, there will be other issues, though. You know, weather issues in the spring and that sort of thing. But um, I'm sort of willing to give it a try and see how it looks.
4: Hey, Bob, uh, thanks much, uh, and we'll uh, be talking to you again, hopefully before the Tour Championship. And bring, I was just going to say, bring a windbreaker to uh, Beth Page next year in, uh, in May, <laughs> just in case it uh, could get a little ollie-up. Thank you, sir. Very good. All right. Thanks a lot, Patrick. See you later, Bob Harrick. ESPN. More golf talk. Uh, we kind of wrapping up the golf talk here as we get ready for football because that was such a wonderful PGA Championship.